Appetite for Distortion, episode number 314. My name is Brando. Uh, quickly, and I'm sorry, G, you'll understand if I'm not focusing on you right now. My co-host for today, <laughs> if you are watching this on Zoom, G, it's absolutely fine, G, <laughs> G from Scotland, we'll get more into, but he's joining me today uh, for Mr. Rick Richards, who we have on the line. Uh, Mr. Richards, Rick, thank you so much for, for taking some time out today. Yeah, glad to be here. If you don't mind me asking, where are you calling from? Unless it's a secret location. Star- Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> That's as, <laughs> as, uh, as specific as he wants to get. Starbucks. Oh, yeah, that, that mom and pop st- uh, shop. I gotcha. That one. Yeah, that one. The one on the corner. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter where. I guess you are, Rick, the fact that you're here with us today. And something that I'm excited about, because I never got to experience the Georgia Satellites live. As a radio, you know, DJ having a lot of classic rock experience, you know, I've played certainly, uh, you know, keep your hands to yourself so many times and uh, countless times and part of my youth, but I never got a chance to experience. Oh, you're the one. I'm the one. Okay. One plus one plus one plus one. But what's awesome is I'm going to kind of get to experience old school Georgia satellites finally. So before we forget, before we get into any crazy conversation, uh, lightning in a bottle. The official live album, the Georgia Satellites, uh, their only concert album, going to be coming out digitally in uh, physical form on CD and vinyl by Cleveland International Records. The CD and digital uh, will arrive on May 11th uh, of next year at the double LP coming in July of, of next year. So are you are you busy? Uh, because this has taken a long time to come out, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. Uh, it's all... Uh, because uh, my friend in uh, in London, Mick Brown, got that all together for us. Okay. So when did this decision, because this was recorded back in, in what year, 1988? 89, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, this is, I'm sure fans have wanted material for you guys for, for quite some time. So how come it's taken a bit to release this? Is there Was there a lot of... You know, uh, bureaucratic stuff behind the scenes, or was it just, I don't know, one of those things that t- this happens to be the year, or next year happens to be the year where this finally comes out? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's smatterings of live uh, performances on some of our uh, imports, and I think maybe even some uh, U.S. releases, a couple of live things, but nothing that encompasses the whole show. And as far as the timing and the politics, You'll have to ask someone else about that because okay. I, I try to stay clear of the biz side of it, you know. And, uh, so I, I'm kind of out of the loop on a lot of the uh, info. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Because the reason is because the fans have I've just wanted to hear it for so long. So whatever I guess uh, insight you're able to provide. Do you remember this 
this gig since it's been so long ago. So yeah, it was 1988 yeah, um, in Cleveland, as I'm reading the, uh, the description. Okay, good. Uh, I vaguely remember it. I do remember that Cleveland was one of the cities that actually, uh, you know, played the record a lot when, when it first came out. There, uh, I think it was Kid Leo that jumped on it real soon and started getting the buzz there and in a couple other cities, Houston and then it just kind of, you know, it took off. And also, you know, it was down in the flats, I believe, on the river or something. And I remember uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax was there. Hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, what? Wow, why is he here? What's he doing here, you know? And then I realized, you know, we're all the same, and we all rock just because, uh, you know, it's a different genre, but there's still a, an affinity towards both kinds of music, you know, just loud rock and stuff. So I was kind of chuffed about that, actually. Yeah, that is cool. And you know what? Along the the same line of thinking of perhaps genres that wouldn't necessarily mesh of what the the Georgia satellites were and are, and that's why you can hear, you know, you on country stations and, and rock stations, but sometimes you're like, if you hear the remote, like, I, again, on the radio, I would play Georgia Satellites and the Ramones back to back, and you wouldn't necessarily yeah. think that that would go together, but you and the Ramones do go together. Can you talk about that? Because <laughs> your cover of the Ramones is featured on this. Yeah, Joey was a Joey was a friend of the band, uh, and we met early on. Uh, we had the same kind of uh, our A and R guy was really really good friends with those guys. And so we became friends, and just uh, that was an amazing uh, combination, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's it's both just hard nosed rock and roll, you know. Um, club style CBGBs. We had our CBGBs here in Atlanta. It was called Hedgens. Uh, so there was an affinity between us. Do you, since you are, you know? You are just another a rock and roll band, and maybe you get labeled differently. Does it bother you? I guess that if you if people maybe mislabel you uh, is not being that kind of band, that club band, and, and maybe thinking that all you are is just keep your hands to yourself. Does that bother you? Uh, no, not not particularly. You know, it didn't keep me up. I tell you, so I'm just. Uh... Glad that through that song, people got to go a little bit deeper in our records and see that there was a a, a bit more depth than just that song. Yeah. Can, can you tell us anything about first making that song? Like, did you know it was going to be a hit when you first wrote it? No, absolutely not. It was, and this story has been told by um, several artists uh, about how at the end of the session, there's a song and... Um, so let's just do it. Let's put it on there and see what happens. And that song is the hit. It's amazing how many uh, times I've heard that story. But yeah, that was our uh, our case too. It was just kind of an afterthought thing, and we cut it on an uh, on, on our first British uh, EP. So it was on there before it was on Electra. And uh, so yeah, it was just an afterthought song that was made up one night when. Uh, I think our drummer was approached by his uh, then ex-girlfriend saying, don't talk to me, leave me alone, and keep your hands to yourself. Mm. And uh, I think he told that to Dan and us, and we're all sitting around, and Dan, and a light bulb went off, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, what happened to that chick? But thanks. <laughs> and, and you're right. I have heard that story. What is it? Do you? What is it about the last song added to an album that you hear that? You know, a lot of famous artists about this legendary song that was almost an after afterthought that almost didn't make the album. Exactly. You know, uh, that's a phenomenon I really can't put my finger on. Uh, it's just kind of kismet. You know, it just hmm. happens, I suppose. Yeah, as as long as it does. So, as long as it does. Yeah, right. How do you feel about the Georgia Satellite's legacy? Uh, now, because it, it, it's it's cool that you know you just had a, an article come out in Rolling Stones, uh, Rolling Stone. People care; they want to have this lightning in a bottle, very appropriately titled, and hear this band kind of mm-hmm. uh, young. Do you did you ever imagine all these years later you'd be talking about this band that actually it wasn't Georgia Satellites when it first started out, right? It was it was something uh, Satellites. It was uh. It was Keith, Keith and the satellites, Keith, Keith Christopher. Right. So did you? Who was you, uh, the bassist, uh, who, uh, yeah, he was in the band, and this is strange. So we're uh, playing our normal weekly gig at the at Hedgens, which is the dive bar I spoke of earlier. And uh, Keith was, we were chatting, Keith said, I'm going to go to England with Lori Lee tomorrow, so I'm not going to be able to make the gig tomorrow night. And we went, yeah, sure. And... Come gig time, no Keith. He doesn't show up. So first person I thought of was Rick Price. So Rick came down and he's been with he was with us ever since. And ironically, the chick Lori Lee, they call her a chick, was a chick then. She's my wife now. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very very incestuous business. <laughs> Well, I mean, Mazel Tov, I'm, I'm being married this long and having a relationship go this long. That's that's awesome. Yeah, right. What are you uh, looking forward to, I guess, whether it's fans old or new? You know, or is there something that you're excited uh, for this live experience to, to come out for, for people either, again, a young fan, an old fan, you personally? You know, what's the most exciting thing you're you're looking forward to with this release? Well, just that, uh, you know, people are going to get to hear the real kind of down and dirty rock and roll scenario that we provided that night. And that was kind of our, that was our forte, you know. I mean, we're pretty good in the studio, but live, we were, we didn't hold back very much. Uh, and uh, the set list was never the same night after night. It always changed. So there was always something going on, something new. And we were... uh we're in a pretty good spot at that time, too, so we're firing all cylinders. Awesome. And just, again, to have that time capsule is, is special, and I'm glad it's it's coming out. And you mentioned a phrase, and that's part of the reason why I have uh, G here. And if you were on Zoom, you would see his wall of guitars behind me uh, because <laughs> I, I'm – I'm not a musician. It's I like, already hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, G. Just kidding, G. Come on. <laughs> okay. No, hey, I'll quite happily take one down and play your tune, Rick. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, well yeah, I know you gotta have guitar, man. I, I you know. Oh yeah. G- G's got the talent, but I—that's why I went into into radio. But the reason why I wanted him here, because in case if we got into any tech talk. He would be able to help me out with that because I, I you know, I, I can't even play. Uh, I, I can't even play this, you know, the triangle. Uh, so that's uh, whatever. Uh, but you mentioned the phrase "down and dirty." But, but you can play the radio now. Come on. 
That is true. That's a good point. All right. You're right, Rick. Yeah, it's, you're right, Rick Richards. Uh, but you mentioned the phrase I was looking, uh, I wanted to bring up is the down and dirty rock. And if you notice yeah. the name of the, the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, and that's where I look at and look, talk to people with the six degrees of GNR Bacon and one of our favorite names that comes up here. And, and actually, G from Scotland, he made a, a documentary. Uh, it's almost two hours, a very well done documentary on. Izzy Stradlin, the down and dirty rocker. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, if you have time, I highly suggest you you watch it. Alan Niven said, and I quote, former manager of Alan Niven and Great White said, pretty good for scavenging. So that, <laughs> right, G? <laughs> yeah. That's it's, Alan uh, <laughs> G right there, buddy. That guy. So, uh, I love uh, that guy. He, so, was, uh, he was so British. He's <laughs> <You> so British. You <laughs> can take that however you want. <laughs> That's funny. So you know, if we can ask you some questions, I guess about the because it's cool because you are you're kind of in that vein of just kind of being mysterious and we don't know the entire history and I think that's kind of why we we love you as a fan and we look to your guitar playing to, to for messages almost to get really a. Uh, you know, romanticized with it. But I have some other fan. In addition to G, I have other fans who just send in questions. Uh, so I want to okay. make sure I credit it, you know, because we'll ask you about Izzy, of course. Uh, so this is from John Bryan from Florida. So can you just tell me the, the story about how you initially hooked up with Izzy Stradlin? That apparently Izzy listened oh. to Keep Your Hands to Yourself is and, and during a recording of Appetite. Is that true? Anything to that story? Or what? what is the story? Yeah, I think he was... I think it was, uh, they played it on the bus a little bit, on the tour bus. I think they did. Um, I met him uh, here in Atlanta when they were on tour with Motley. Uh, that's where we first met. And then uh, I met him again when we were in, in uh, California at the coach house in San Juan Capistrano. And I think that's when he was sort of uh, removed himself from the band. And I'm not really sure if he was shopping around for guitar players not but he was there and he stayed the whole night we chatted and talked and all that and then uh jimmy asher is called about a few months later uh the basis uh for the juju film jimmy asher from the broken homes called and said asked if i would come out and you know do the studio thing and you know next thing i knew i'm in the band so it was really cool it was uh and that whole first album is all just about first and second takes. Well, not first, but the second to uh, fifth takes. It's all just like right from the studio. And that's what I really dug about it. It's very reminiscent of the way we operated in the studio. And uh, we just struck up, uh, you know, we had a common denominator. You know, we both loved the same kind of music. And plus, I was a big fan of his, blah, blah, you know. Um, and we clipped. And it was one of the best things I've had the pleasure of doing. Um, I'm really proud of the first Juju Hounds album. I think it really uh, filled a niche at the time, but I think it was kind of overlooked to a degree by a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. I, I agree. It is overlooked. And we've had Jimmy uh, on the podcast, actually, who was just a awesome, awesome dude. And, he, yeah, he, he's my boy. <laughs> you know, he he mentioned something actually, and I was wondering if you can help complete the the story that 
when G, like you guys had gone down to the islands in 1993 and there was some material that was being recorded and then Izzy left and then you had to do shows with without Izzy is is, is that is that ring a bell to you yes so is there more to yes, that yes. can you talk about that I think we ended the tour in uh, I believe it was Australia and came back and he was didn't wasn't feeling it you know uh, at the time so he was going to lay low for a bit so Jimmy and I and Chalo Quintana the magnificent drummer from the Juju Hounds and Late one break. hell of a guy yeah man yeah he he was the glue that really hung everything together uh, he was killer so anyway yeah um Jimmy and Chalo and I got an offer from Chris Robinson to go out on their, some of their makeup dates in uh, the mid, North Midwest and Canada. Uh, so we ship, yeah, why not, you know? <laughs> um, so we're all sitting around with Chris and, and uh, Mark, and they're, oh, I got to think of a name, man. And Chris said, I got a name. Okay. The Magical Nose Goblins. <laughs> so we said, okay, that's it. So you get some of the, uh, the Black Crows with the Magical Nose Goblins. <laughs> so yeah, we did about, I don't know, eight, nine, ten shows. And we all traveled on their bus. So it's like, I didn't sleep in the aisle, you know, it was brilliant. It was so much fun, man. It was a riot. <laughs> And for me, I guess being a 90s kid, Magical Nose Goblins makes me think of Ren and Stimpy. I don't know if that was his original. That's where it came from, yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Okay. All right. <laughs> Gedgy. If, if I can ask, Rick, um, I've always wondered about the period where you joined the Juju Hounds. And I've, I've always wondered what it, it's like as a musician to be contacted by uh, another musician to be a part of their band and th there must be a I, I could imagine on a professional sense that you want to jump on board but was there ever a, a thought where you you just thought why me why did they come to me sort of thing yes absolutely i mean i remember vividly the day i got that call it was like you know for the next month i was walking on air it's brilliant and, um, yeah, the why me thing does, but, you know, being in the music and being in bands and being around musicians, it's just like we spoke of before about the, uh, serendipity thing of having, uh, an afterthought song go big. It's the same thing with who you end up playing with. Sometimes it just happens, you know? And, uh, fortunately for me, that was, uh, one of those times. Cool. W w was it, was it different? like a different guitar partnership uh, than what you had with Dan in the, the Satellites. I, I, I was just wondering if there was a, any type of differences between Izzy and Dan, uh, because you, oh, you yeah, said oh, yeah, earlier on about clicking with Izzy, and I think it has to yeah. be an either you do click or you don't click to be able to write together. Yeah. You have to have the, the yin-yang, you know, thing. <laughs> You know, the good, the bad, and uh, the black, the white. It's kind of the polar opposites attract on to a degree in songwriting. Uh, yeah. As far as guitar playing goes, uh, it was kind of not being, you know, in an unfamiliar territory because, you know, Dan was a great rhythm player. 
but he played a bit more lead than Izzy did. Uh, so Izzy's a great rhythm player. So it made my job, you know, simple. Basically, just get in the groove. And we, we had the, the bass and drums put it there, man. So, yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Right on. I, I like that. Uh, what was you, you mentioned that bonding over uh, Izzy with certain music. I'm just curious what bands uh, specifically you, you bonded with him over. And, and just to let us know what some of your influences are within that question, of course. Well, Izzy, you know, he's a bit younger than me, so, uh, you know, he, I go way back. <laughs> and, but the things we did have in common were, uh, you know, the Ramones, of course, the Dolls, uh, it's some of Izzy's punk stuff. Uh, I, it was so cool to play on a record with, you know, Mikey Dredd. Uh, Izzy was really into reggae, and that really opened my eyes a lot. So, I mean, I loved her. I've been a fan forever, and I get finally get to play it with a good band, and so there's that. Yeah. Um, other things, you know, I don't know. What about, because you obviously, you've holding this Georgia satellite, up, used upon, up high all these years, and but you've dealt with uh, personnel changes. And that's something that's obviously synonymous with, with Guns N' Roses before, you know, since Izzy left. But at that time, I guess with dealing with band drama and your own, your, your, the bands that you created, you know, him, GNR, you with Georgia. Is that something else you bonded? Did you find your, yourselves kind of venting about band stuff, what you dealt with with your other bands? Kind of big, almost like a, you know, here's what my ex-boyfriend used to do kind of situation. Did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, well, you know, we touch on that, but I didn't really pick his brain about the inner workings of GNR, but he would offer up some uh, some information here and there. It's nothing surprising, really. I mean, I think it's, you know, same thing you read about, basically. Right on. Um, and he he knew that, uh, you know, we both had a similar scenario as far as, you know, leaving a band or the band breaking up or, you know. But no, that, was, that wasn't really a topic of discussion very much. So it was clearly, that's why I think that first record, I mean, the records were so good that and you meant with the just one or two takes and it's about the music and just performing and not about all the, uh, the extra, the extra stuff going on. But let me ask then, since you were, you know, big at that time, were you aware of, I guess you were obviously aware of Guns N' Roses, but what was your perception of this band from LA all of a sudden breaking through and it's different than the hair metal scene what was your perspective of of guns and roses at that time and did, did oh, you get a, was, get a chance to see them too i was curious if you did back then yeah i saw them like uh when i met them first you know opening from all the crew that's when i first saw them uh yeah that first record i mean i was a fan for the minute the needle went down on it uh because of what was happening in la at that time to me it just wasn't my cup of tea if you know what i mean that whole the whole uh so I, I call it pseudo glam metal, but whatever. Um, they were a breath of fresh air. They were, they were more akin to say, you know, Aerosmith or even further back, you know, MC5 and all those great rock and roll bands. A lot of it had to do with Slash's guitar playing. I mean, Slash came from cut from the same cloth as say Joe Perry, perhaps. You know, guys who are based in the blues. Not too fancy, but 
make a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, that was, I think that guitar, and the, the interplay between Slash and Izzy on those records and the, the songwriting uh, was just one of those moments. Nice. All right, so I got a couple other questions, and maybe, G, you can help me out with this one, because one of them is uh, is technical. Uh, this is from Izzy Dutch, not the Izzy, but Izzy Dutch on Twitter. Uh, favorite guitar and amp at the moment? And do you spend a lot of time working out your parts and solos? So he kind of wants to know what your your process is currently like uh, with recording and what you're, you're currently using. Uh, yeah, I'm using, uh, pre- predominantly right now, I have a guitar made by Ted Newman-Jones. Uh, he was the Austin Luthier that, uh, you know, got his bones working for Keith Richards back before there was the term guitar technician didn't even exist. I think he might have been the first guy to have that moniker. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and also the 57 Les Paul Jr. still in the arsenal. Uh, the Dan Armstrong Ampeg Lucide, of course, is the slide go-to. And I got a 58 Special that uh, I use a bit, and I'll uh, uh, let's call the Izzy gave me. As far as amps go, um, man, I bounce around a lot, but right now I'm, I've got this killer AC30. Uh, but I'm still like a high watt guy, the Marshall guy. But uh, I think high watts were were my favorite for all the live stuff we did. They just had that extra, you know, go to 11 thing. <laughs> yeah, you need to go to 11. This is from a... Always, Andy. always 11. <laughs> you know, uh, you right? to, this is both to you, G, and Rick. I During the pandemic, I finally, my fiance, I made sure she watched it. She had never seen Spinal Tap until this uh, past summer. <laughs> Wow. I educated her. Yeah. It had to happen before we got married. That was just a deal breaker. Uh, well, that was the same with my wife yeah. as well. <laughs> Last year, we watched Spinal Tap together. Oh, okay. Her first time, my second. Look at that. We're, we're, that's why we bond. Uh, this yeah. is, <laughs> hey, G. 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 Yes. G. Yes, my friend. Okay. Uh, you like this. Our, our uh, road manager, tour manager, stage manager, Guy that got us actually got us the deal, Kevin Jennings, he's a Brit. And uh, when Spinal Tap came out, like he walked out, you know, like the first like I don't know, twenty minutes. So I said, why did you walk out? He goes, it looked like they were making fun of Quo. And this guy's the biggest Quo fan. And, you know, he took it personally, man. <laughs> like, don't. Fuck with the quo, okay? I said, Kevin, that's you, not. You, you, that's no, not. You never fuck with the quo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but you know quo fans, right? Oh yeah, there's, they're abundant. I think there's. A, yeah, my, uh, my so. brother's a big quo fan, so he would probably react yeah, the same. I mean, <laughs> nice. That's. Funny. I've always been. I've been a quo fan since like '74. I mean, the, the first time they came to the states, they played here. Uh, it was during the Pile Driver tour, and man, I had never seen anything like that. It was like a, it was like a tight running V8 motor, you know, <laughs> hitting on all cylinders, going down the straightaway. It was so good, and I was a fan ever since. Brilliant. 
Right on, right on. And obviously, you have a lot of your fans listening to this episode, and hence why we got so many questions, why we have a, you know, a, a guest co-host. So to go along with this, um, I want to do them right. Is he is he Dutch on Twitter? You know, what's the status of your solo album? When are we going to be hearing more of you? Uh, you know, I'm kind of right now recovering from some carpal tunnel surgery I had last week. Sorry to hear that. And, uh, yeah, throughout the pandemic, it was, it was a, there was a definite lull in my household. So uh, I'm just waiting around to get the chops back and then get back in the studio. And I'm thinking about, I've got some stuff I need to release, but I'll get on that. Okay. That's cool. And obviously, you know, health is most important. Get on the mend. Because uh, the reason why I, yeah. I, I I ask this and why I'm kind of building momentum, so to speak, uh, with Izzy's questions, and this is kind of the, the million-dollar question I want to, people want to know, are you still in contact with Izzy? They were wondering if you're recording with him. Is there anything, I guess, you can tell us uh, maybe why there hasn't been a release of the Juju Hounds um, any, 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 because anything in that realm they were able to update us on, we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, not much to report. I spoke to Izzy about eight months ago, um, and he was in Colorado. He uh, riding out the pandemic out there, and um, we chatted. He, uh, you know, it's always well. Let's get together, and he go, you know, okay. So we're just. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a hard man to track down sometimes. You know, he marches to his own drums, to say the least, right? So you never know where he's at or what he's doing. But, you know, he keeps busy, man. He keeps traveling. And, you know, I think he he's into Baja racing. He's into his art. He's a painter. He, um, uh, I think he's surfing, surfing still, perhaps. And, uh, you know, he's a California man. Okay. Okay. Are we? I mean, he's doing good. He's doing fine. That's again, just like with you. That's the most important thing, because fans just want, just like with the Georgia Satellites, we're we're glad uh, to get this time capsule of of a record and and, a, and performance to hear it, and that's what has been sitting around. Or I don't, I'm just to, to use a phrase loosely, sitting around. But fans also want to know if the same thing is with the Juju Hounds. If there's anything unreleased. Anything unfinished from that era that could possibly see the light of day if you and Izzy do, in fact, hang out again? That's a good question. Uh, okay. There's some, yes, there is stuff uh, out there in the can somewhere. There's a lot of stuff, I think. And, you know, maybe uh, well, next time I speak to him, maybe I could, you know, rattle his cage on something like that. He's in full control of all that stuff. Yes, he is. So, uh, you know, it's his, it's his ball. Okay. But, yeah, there's some really cool stuff that never made it out, um, I think. We spent a lot of time in the studio in many different studios. So there's stuff out there. I like, I like it to see the light of day. Very cool. All right, that's that's a really positive response. Uh, gee, do you have any, while we have Rick here, any questions, especially since you are <laughs> – you know, you preach his whole catalog. Is there any like song specific questions even that you have? Yeah, uh, in in the spirit of uh, your the upcoming release for the satellites, I'm just wondering if um, you have a Juju Hounds concert in mind that you feel would be like a, a great live release. Hey man, funny you should ask. 
The Barrowlands. Ah. You know something? Uh, I was actually going to try and get out to Glasgow to take pictures of the, the Barrowlands for this episode. Wow. Uh, but uh, we just recently had the, uh, the climate um, gathering in Glasgow and nobody could move right. anywhere and the trains were all off. So that's that's really cool that you say that. And uh, maybe one one time I'll fire out and get some pictures of the place. But what makes yeah, that be so cool? Yeah. What Go makes ahead. that stand out in your mind? Well, the fucking crowd of first. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I just I just remember everybody being really happy at the end of the show. Everybody. You know. So in the band, I mean. Uh, and just that crowd, man, it was so cool. Yeah. I Scottish. And then the other one crowd. would be yeah, that's a great, great bar. The other one, I think, would be Town & Country in London. We did a spot-on show there, too. Same tour, of course. There's just something about uh, you guys, you UK cats, that know what they uh, know what they like, and by God, they're going to show you. <laughs> when you, uh, to bring it back, because, you know, I we can keep asking you... Uh, Izzy Stradlin questions. Hopefully, one day we get to ask him the man directly. But I mean, if, if the guy that worked with him all these years can't, you know, can barely track him down, what chance do, do we got? Uh, but I, I want to, of course, keep talking about the uh, <laughs> the, the satellites a little bit. Um, anything surprise you? I guess did you go back and and, and re-listen to this album and be and, and any fun memories come up? Uh, you know, oh, I remember uh, this song, or I remember how I was feeling when I played this. Any uh, special memories come up putting this together? No, no, I haven't really heard the whole thing. Okay. Uh, but no, so I couldn't really. I'll have to listen to it, I guess. Nope. <laughs> it's really tough. It's really tough for me. It's really tough for me to listen to my own stuff sometimes. Yeah, me too. You know, I, get a little, I get a little bit uneasy about it. And, you're always thinking, yeah, why did I do that? And that's there forever. And so, you know, it's just uncomfortable sometimes. Maybe I have a couple of lines and listen to it. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel better when someone like you is accomplished as you and respected as you say said that. Because I'm, I'm the same way. I think more people need to understand that. You know, if you, you you may work hard, you may be a you know professional, and it's the best you can. But to second guess yourself, and to, there's a that's normal. I think that this is a normal. It's totally thing. normal. Yeah, it's totally normal. Thank you, thank you. Oh uh, yeah, because uh, there's always you can always. I, that's why I, being an actor to me would be would be terrifying. Yeah, right. To see yourself, you know, <laughs> that large on the screen and that. Ugh. I'm I'm kind of getting butterflies now just thinking about it. <laughs> All right, so I, now now I know why we did this on the phone. All right, well now I know why we did this on the phone, you and I, and uh, no no Zoom for you for Rick Richards. Okay, I got. I'm not a Zoomer. I'm not a Zoomer. <laughs> I'm a boomer, not a Zoomer. Oh man, you got see if anything if you're not going to put out more uh, if it's going to be a bit for more, more music maybe you should put out like little sayings and mottos like Rickisms or something like that. Rickism. Rickism. Yeah, like, yeah, like uh, 
too old to too old to cut the mustard, but I can still lick the jar. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know how to process that right now. <laughs> right? Oh, I love it. Uh, Rick, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, before we go, I want to make sure I acknowledge and you know. He reached out. I think it's a he. It's on this Twitter machine. People, you never know who who is what. But uh, Izzy from Argentina, again, not Izzy, but just a, a fan site said, "I wanted." You know, there's a lot of fans of your music and of you, and they want to hear it. So I always offer people, like, hey, if you get me a, a guest, if you get me someone that we all want to hear from, you can be rewarded with this radio experience. I'm not above that. You know, that's a uh, I, I don't want to take all the all the glory, so I know this is to look forward to. But after you, you know, get some rest, anything in the future? Do you want to play live shows? Is that something uh, you're you have on the horizon? Uh, you're on your wish list, I yeah, guess. Yeah, uh, I'm having a hard time playing at this at this point right. uh, because of the hand thing. But it's I'm on the mint, mending quite nicely, and uh, yeah, and I'll be out there. Awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to see you out and about, uh, Rick. This was a pleasure. G. I I mean, if you have any questions, I don't want to cut you off before I, uh, you know, pseudo-wrap um, no, up. Uh, the, the only final thing I've got is uh, the Pass Me By cover that's made it onto the, the, this uh, upcoming release. Now, I do remember reading something back in the day, but it's really hazy in my memory. Was this an impromptu tune that you once played live like what did you start playing when, the riff to don't pass me by and then the rest of the band oh yes started playing it that's yeah. true man yeah, yeah that's really you know, cool by the way thank you yeah, yeah. Was that thought, you know i was just, we were just tuning or something and i started that riff and they all look at it <laughs> trust me on this one <laughs> and so i just sang the first verse unaccompanied and then everybody got got the gist of it and came in like a powerhouse and then uh, it was good man we did a lot it was a good song yeah yeah that's cool and you know something I that, uh, just to add I on to sorry, like Randall, just add this on as well it that's the, right. the the cover that you did with izzy on 117 degrees uh memphis tennessee it kind of gives me the vibe from the Don't Pass Me By cover as well. Did it kind yeah, of right. come along the same yeah. way? Damning with Izzy. Uh, God, we cut, I'll tell you what a great moment that was. We cut that just jamming around, but it was at Wessex Studios with Bill Price, you know, in London where, uh, you know, Sex Pistols, Mott the Hoople, Clash recorded. So we were kind of in that vibe, I think, at that moment. Plus, uh, we've been doing Memphis and the satellites, uh, kind of the um, across between the Johnny Rivers version and the Faces version. So Izzy knew about that. Yeah. So I, I think he started it off really fast. And I didn't, you know, right. same with it was almost the same scenario as Don't Pass Me By, except he started. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I jumped in and I did the harmonies on that. I think it was harmony scene. Uh, Came out pretty good, man. So I really like that version. But yeah, we're just knocking around. It just seems like all the best stuff just happens by knocking around, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, that's what happens when you're not prepared. 
that is that is very true. <laughs> I know what you mean exactly. Oh man, uh, Rick, again, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I we both were excited to hear from you. I know my listeners were. So this was a absolutely. A, a, you know, you were a name that I get to cross off my my interview bucket list. So I hope to have you up back on Thanks, again, brother. and I hope you feel much better. You know, just. Take it easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right on. Good. Okay. Glad to hear Rick. it. Hey, uh, Rick. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Cool. And, G, I'm sorry. You Hi, right? G. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Rick. You've been a, a part of my life musically for the better part of my life. Uh, and I really appreciate well, I it, mate. Can... I, hope, um, I hope you get well soon I as well. I hope we can have a beer. So... Yeah, yeah. I hope we can have a beer sometime together. Hey, mm. I would love that. Okay. I'd love yeah. that. All right, and chops away, lad. Chops away with the beer in person. Chops away. It won't be the the weird Zoom lag either. So you guys will be able to have a fluent conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, Rick. A great name for a band. Great name for a band. Zoom lag. Okay, that's that's Zoom lag. (laughs) See, it's another Rickism. I love it. It'd be like a hawk a Hawkwind type group. Yeah, Hawkwind. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) You take care. Recording stop. Been a pleasure. You, you got it. And uh, Rick, I will let you know. Uh, I'm not recording this part, but once we put it out, I'll I'll, I'll send it to Laura Lee. And um, okay. Know, and just uh, and thank you. All right. This was great. Thank you, buddy. Thanks a lot, Rick. You take I'll care. Soon, I hope. You got it. Bye bye. Later, guys. Bye. Take care. That was cool. I felt like we could have gone a, a long, a longer time, but as soon as he's like said he's. You know, he had surgery, and I, I forgot. I thought he had a. Yeah. I thought he went to the dentist. I thought that's why we had to reschedule. And he sounded good. I'm like, oh, he's fine. But I'm like, oh no, he's. He sounds like he's out and about. I want to, you know, he des- he deserves to relax. He deserves to relax. Absolutely. And uh, so he's invited me out for a drink. So, you I, know, a, a, a <laughs> I pint. Just catch a plane ticket. <laughs> do, do they? Uh, what, what would they say to, in in Scotland? I'm going out for uh, a pint. Like, what do you what do you go out? Oh, nice. Okay. We, we're away for a pint, mate. <laughs> like Shaun of the Dead. That's how I know. Oh, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Probably uh, 10 times darker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, thanks for, for coming on because I know you've done so much research and I'm glad that you've had, right, no more issues with the your Dustin Bones documentary that's on YouTube. I know you had to deal with the normal stuff that, you know the copyright things that you have to when you put up a project online of that magnitude it's it's difficult when you're doing it by yourself but it's how many views does it have now it's been up for a long time um it's i think it's 100 155,000 views i think nice could be more than that um but yeah it was a it was a nice experience and even going through the the copyright wrangle that was an experience as well. And uh, I was able to speak with people within the RIAA and even the UMG. So wow. now I have a better understanding of how this all works. And uh, there's a few things I'll keep under my cap for the now. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So I just felt bad at, at the time. If, if people don't know what I'm talking about, it was... Do you remember what episode number it was? I'm surprised that they sometimes guests know what episode number they were on. Two zero three. See, look at that, brilliant. So, if you want to go back and list episode <laughs> uh, episode uh, number two hundred and three, 
I I just I don't know. I look on Twitter and on on the internet for Guns N' Roses stuff, so I could see this random dude from Scotland making an Izzy Stradlin documentary, and I'm like, I'm a random dude doing a Guns N' Roses podcast, so let's uh you know let's make an episode together. And since then, you know, if you're watching on Zoom, he has made the the logo, our new logo, the one that's behind me right now is on my Zoom virtual background. Uh, some of the more intricate. YouTube videos we have with the more graphic stuff. That's Mr. G over here doing it. I, I just have my... I've learned a little bit. I just have the very basic video editing program on. So if you can see pictures slapped up with very, you know, 8-bit looking, you know, Nintendo graphics, that's what I have on my Dell laptop. But G is the one that, you know, he made the best of 2020 for me, slapped that together. So... uh We've been communicating back and forth for for quite some time, and I appreciate what he does for, you know, I was uh, I was life is his documentary and all the. I mean, if you go to again, go to YouTube, look up Dustin Bones if you haven't looked at it already, watched it already, and the comments are so overwhelmingly positive. It is just it's absurd to use a Guns N' Roses word. It really is. So I mean, congratulations. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it is, well, thank you, um, and. But, it is it's overwhelming because I, I haven't really done anything in my life uh of note like that and even doing the documentary it was just something fun to do you know something to fill the time during lockdown and then it was just why not make it into something that people get excited about and it's extremely overwhelming uh to see the support that I've had and it continues to have um, and I'm glad people are taking it the right way the majority of the people are taking it the right way it is what it is I'm not a documentary maker <laughs> this was my first time trying to do something and uh, I think it worked out okay <laughs> I think I did t- I, I, being honest I may I think I said this to you whether it was on the air or off the air I thought I was going to watch maybe five, ten minutes of it, get the gist, and just talk to you. I found myself watching the whole thing, which is like over, like it's almost <laughs> two hours. And I think because it is well done and unique, because yeah, documentaries are, are hot. Whether you know, you're so many on Netflix and so many different ways to do documentaries, and especially to do one when you know you don't have guests and narration specifically for it, and the the scarcity of Izzy Stradlin information out there. It's. I think it's kind of almost the same. What about? Do I didn't think Guns N' Roses podcast would be anything, but there's just, yeah, there's Guns N' Roses info out there, but it's all the same info. It's all the sensationalistic info. They're not the the stories that I get on this podcast from the the people who are there. And it's the same thing with with Izzy. It's like why you know talking to Rick today. People were excited. Yes, there were people like, oh, I loved him in the Georgia Satellites, but obviously, so many Izzy questions. Because people want to know. And I appreciate Rick didn't seem bothered by that at all. You, you never know with sometimes with people like, oh, they only want to talk to me to talk about this person, you know, kind of thing. Never got that vibe from him at all. So it's just super, super cool. And, uh, and yeah, it's good to know Izzy, you know, as of eight months ago, was a, was was somewhere? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Colorado. He's in Col- oh yeah. So now all these Izzy sleuths. Where? <laughs> Let's go to Colorado. And and, and before I I, I forget, uh, I want to give a shout out to, look, whatever I could do, like I did for you, like what I did. It's not like I have a major platform, but 
you know, get no, get the, was... but get the word out. Like I want people to help me get the. I say every podcast. If you could tell one friend about this podcast, if there's one episode that you like, one guest, tell a friend. Like you just, that's the level I'm at. Same thing with you with the documentary, and it's the same thing with, you know, with with Izzy. It's just like it's I don't know. It's 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 spreading. It's the same thing with Izzy. So it's uh, there are fans out there that need help. So there's there's no Izzy Stradlin podcast yet specific that might be too hard, but there's the Izzy con- <laughs> the Izzy concert uh, fan petition. So if more people can sign it, you know maybe who knows if it gets back to Izzy. Crazier things have happened. So uh, I think you can just look. I think it's just flat out Izzy concert petition on. I think they have a Facebook and Instagram, and they sent in some of the questions about uh, you know what happened with when Izzy kind of bailed on them so i just wanted to make sure i didn't forget so i don't forget is he in, is is he in argentina for setting up this uh interview uh and yeah then, he's a good man oh okay so it is a man i have no idea so i like, oh gosh, sorry oh i have no I, idea i just assumed oh uh, oh okay i have no idea it's like with you all i got was g when you i was talking <laughs> to you i'm like do i call you g so that, <laughs> but that's what's been great with doing this podcast i just meet random uh randos but not in the creepy way it's all been just guns and roses randos helped me out so without you izzy in argentina this episode would not have happened so uh thanks and g is if you're watching this on zoom he's the one that made it look all cool and and beautiful because uh we i i had a setup i was actually talking about this we were with rick before we started recording i'm glad i did because the setup being at home you know, feel feel for my quarantine still. Uh, you never know if things are going to go wrong. But I was able to test this out, you being on Zoom, him being on the phone. Because yesterday I spent two hours on the phone with uh, Michael Perioli of The Sopranos as he's, he's selling his book, you know, The Sopranos book. Just like, uh, you know, Rick is uh, promoting the, the Satellites uh, record. Yeah. So it's just I was able to test it all yesterday. And it was so funny. Oh yeah, Rick up, and he starts quoting stuff from The Sopranos, and I'm, uh, <laughs> right away. And I I didn't want to get off on a Sopranos tangent you know, before the episode. So uh, anyway, I thought people might find that funny as well. But uh, I hope you had fun, G. As I tell everybody, by the way, who does these podcasts uh, with me, always you cut me off if I'm talking too much. Just be yourself. You know, I know it's nerve-wracking if you've never done this before. I know it's kind of hard when you're cutting each other off and when to pull back, when to talk. If you've never done this before, I know there's a lot. So I think sometimes people need to understand that's why I talk a lot sometimes to kind of set the mood and calm people down. But believe it or not, I do not like the sound of my own voice. I only talk a lot. But you're not in my profession. I should like my voice, but... <laughs> I, uh, to me, in my head, I sound like Fran Drescher's nephew. You know, Mr. Sheffield, like, I guess sound like a stereotype. But no, people I like, people. I know, people in like. In my head. What do you? I sound like Shrek <laughs> in <Okay>. my head. <laughs> God. I hope I, I really hope I don't. God, now I can't get it out of my head. Okay, great. Now you, you've ruined me. Do you hate, oh God, do you hate, like, uh, us Americans for, for Shrek? Now we've did every... Scott, you know, Scottish person said, oh, well, we got Groundskeeper Willie. We got a few. Is he okay? Is he a good stereotype, by the way, Groundskeeper Willie? Yeah, yeah, they're all good stereotypes. 
groundskeeper Willie is a, <laughs> it's a great one. <laughs> oh, but I can't make up my mind if uh, it's an American doing a Scottish accent or if it's actually a Scot doing it. I um, groundskeeper Willie, I think it's, uh, isn't it Hank Azaria doing it? Is it? It's one of the main. Right. It's one of the main. It's Hank Azaria or it might have been... Uh, Dan Cast, I can never pronounce his last name. The guy who does Homer, I think it's one of the main people. So it's not a Scottish person, right? It might. I, let me look this up. As a Simpsons, I'll have a wee check. Shame on me, because I've always said if I wasn't gonna do it at Guns N' Roses podcast, I could do a Simpsons podcast. <laughs> there was a time, there, Guns N' Roses pun intended, uh, that I could quote Simpsons regularly in anything. Uh, groundskeeper, if I could spell. This is why I need a producer. Ground Simpsons. Ground. This is great radio, by the way. Voice. Uh, yeah, it is Dan and Castellaneta. So the guy did his Homer and Cruster, uh, Crusty, oh, Cruster, Crusty, and Abe Simpson. So yeah, Dan, good job. All right. Uh, by the yeah. way, this is a nice little segue to wrap up this episode. Something I think you'll appreciate, G. <laughs> so I obviously doing this from home. Uh, I have a virtual background, a minimal. Uh, production value. I mean, well, I don't want to say minimal. I, I do have a radio job. I do have a somewhat of a good setup. Point being, G here, you know, he does, I do this still for the love of the game. I'm not doing this. Yes, I have a job, a radio job, but this podcast is is not a part of it technically. I, it's kind of just supplementary to it and they intertwine sometimes. I don't get paid for it. Uh, you know, now that I'm, uh, I, I get now some chump change off of YouTube, which is kind of cool i guess uh g same thing he does it for the love of the game that's why he's he, he made the izzy documentary so and i barely mentioned this that i do have a patreon i, I barely mentioned this that i do sell t-shirts and merch so if you want to go to red bubble uh i have shirts and, and mugs and anything that you could think of this logo that g made slapped on can, red bubble could do for you and patreon if you want to donate to this cause um, the reason being, I, it's not even for me. I don't care about the money. I'm a very minimalistic person. See the shirt I'm wearing, by the way? I, these are like the things I buy. I bought a cat sweater with all, uh, horror icons. So there's a cat as like Freddy Krueger, as a cat as Jason. This is what I spend my money on. But what I would like Brilliant. to do is if I got t-shirt money, if I got Patreon money, is to be able to pay people like G for the hard work he does on my podcast sometimes to be able to pay. Maybe I can get some hotshot millennial intern to cut out more videos and put them up on YouTube where I'm just, if I'm too busy or doing stuff, I want to be able to develop a team or to maybe to have this show look better, get a better camera or something. These are things if you want to help out with it's there, but I wanted to bring G on just, if anything, more than anything, just as appreciation for all you've done for, for me and what you've done for, you know, the Izzy Stradlin fans. That, that killed a good two hours for people when they were, they had nothing going on in the, in the pandemic, which, which which was a big thing. It really was. It sounds silly, but I think people, their perspectives changed a lot in the pandemic and realizing, uh, you know, yeah. how to spend their time, you know. So that's that's my whole, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, a.k.a. couch now. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, thanks for saying all that, Brando. It's uh, it's you're too kind. It's really nice to hear, and uh, this has been a fantastic experience, uh, one that I'll never forget. So, thank you. 
Awesome. And that's what I kind of I like to provide. So I've had guests, you know, uh, listeners come on to interview Tommy Stinson. Uh, uh, who, what's the guy? Uh, why am I forgetting his name from the Black Crows? The drummer, the former drummer. I'm completely forgetting, even though I've interviewed him before. Uh, Steve Gorman. Thank you, man. It's uh, I'm getting old. That's what it is. I'm getting old. Steve <laughs> Gorman. I've had co-hosts for different different guests. And also, as you saw from this episode, chime in on social media. I will get your question answered. So if you want to participate, not monetarily, but just uh, you know, support, uh, just follow on, on Facebook, social media, uh, new Twitter, at the AFD Podcast. So that's how you find out. That's how people knew about Rick Richards coming on, and that's how they got their questions answered. That's how that happened. So that's how the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. Okay? That sound good? I think that's easy enough to follow, right? I think so. Absolutely. Uh, as far as the next episode, actually, I think I have one guest I can I can say. It's going to be a short interview. Let me just bring up the email because I think I just got it confirmed. And I just got sent his book. Uh, Jesse Drayton, who played guitar with uh, Duff on uh, on his new uh, new album tenderness so uh, yeah so it's gonna be you see these are like i get these emails about people you know if they're being (laughs) they're promoting stuff country rock guitarist jesse dayton tells all about working with johnny cash glenn campbell willie nelson and rob zombie so he has a new book coming out and obviously i'm gonna ask him about working with duff and that's where it comes in like that comes in for like my job and it's my job is to sometimes either put on that tour i'm i'm not this time but Jesse in like two hours, my role would be to connect them to different stations or my, since my boss and they all know about this podcast, my boss, when he sends me that email, he talks about guns and roses. How about, how's not, how's a nine forty time slot? Sure. That sounds good. So sometimes that's, nice. that's how it works. And other times I have to get Izzy from Argentina to get my guest. It's, <laughs> you never know. You just never know with this podcast. So that's why I just keep following and uh, when are you going to see the next episode? Oh, you know, before I, I stop, is there anything you want to promote? Sorry. Any any other any documentaries on Iowa's Life or TNK Studios? Um, did, did, there's nothing right now. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty busy in the background, so... And I, I just... It, there's a few things circulating uh, that might come to something, but... Uh, I'm just not that passionate about a few things, so I just don't want to do things for the sake of doing it. Yeah, I so, uh, I, I get that. I I, I, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm I guess not, it was just uh, coming out of the blue, just like this Rick Richards interview. Yeah. <laughs> Something okay. will happen. Yeah, I think so. So I think in the meantime, uh, people, if you haven't checked out the Dustin Bones documentary, iOS Life, uh, a word I had to learn from meeting you, uh, what does it mean again? A W E W I S. Always. Always. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Always life. Iowa's life. Okay. Beautiful. So uh, thank you again, G. Thanks for everybody else for hanging out on this edition of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Who is the next guest? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.